on the Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have comedian Brandy Posey. I was so excited to finally be able to get Brandy on the podcast. We've actually been trying to work this episode out uh, almost since January, but our schedules just never, never synced up properly. Uh, either Brandy was out on tour when we were in town, or my schedule was too busy while I was in town. Uh, just, just something never, never managed to work. But this time around, while we were in Los Angeles, we were finally able to sit down and talk with Brandy, and it was great to learn about, you know, more of her career, uh, how she started in comedy, going to film school in Philadelphia, starting at UCB. Um, some of the great shows that she's a part of. Uh, she does an awesome comedy show in Los Angeles called Picture This. While comedians are, are doing their sets, she has animators behind them drawing their sets. So it is absolutely hilarious. So I've always tried to make it out. I've seen a lot of stuff from the show, but I've never had a chance to actually make it to one of the shows. And uh, yeah, Brandy goes into a little bit more detail kind of on how that show comes together. Uh, Brandy is also one of the one of the hosts of, uh, of the Lady to Lady podcast. Uh, last year you heard us uh, talk with Barbara Gray on the podcast. Uh, she is one of Brandy's co-hosts. And Brandy kind of talks about her and Barbara started that show. And yeah, it was really fun to talk with Brandy and just kind of learn everything about you know her comedy career and kind of where she stands on comedy and also found out from her that i guess on pandora that people downvote women comics which it's just astounding to me i don't understand why that is even a thing so i mean seriously guys if you're listening to comedy just listen to comedy enjoy the comic so comedy you know should be respected no matter who is doing it so don't be a dick and just enjoy comedy because Brandy's amazing and you're definitely going to want to listen to Opinion Cave. So make sure you go check that out. All the links for Brandy stuff is up on the site so you guys can find that there as well. Uh, but yeah, seriously, you guys are going to really enjoy Brandy if you've never heard her before. You can check this out. She's also going to be out uh, some East Coast tour dates coming up here. All of those uh, those dates are also available on her website, brandyposey.com. And again, all of those links are up on our website, on onthemikepodcast.com, uh, so you can check that out as well. For all of our friends out in Los Angeles, our friend Christian Piper and former guest of the podcast, uh, he recently moved to Los Angeles uh, almost a year ago. Uh, he has this incredible uh, comedy show. It's, it's a comedy challenge show called Adrenaline uh, that he's going to be hosting Monday, September 26th at 10 p.m. at the Improv Lab. Uh, he's got an incredible lineup on this show. Sarah Tiana, Dwayne Perkins, Dave Deary, Tommy Jonigan, Barbara Gray, and Preacher Lawson. You guys are not going to want to miss this show, so make sure you check that out. The Improv Lab in Los Angeles. It's going to be absolutely incredible so go support some great comedy and this is kind of a test show for christian so you know go out and help support him and help make this show a regular thing out there so it, it's something that you know he's done it a, he's done it many many times out here in, a, in salt lake city uh wise guys comedy and i'm glad to see that you know somebody in los angeles has given him the chance uh, to bring this incredible show to them so please go out and support that adrenaline with christian piper and brian vokey monday september 26th at 10 p.m at the improv lab in los angeles we had such an amazing time in Los Angeles. We have we have a lot of a uh, a lot of great episodes that are going to be coming out next week. We have Mike Furman uh, on the podcast. Uh, if you're not familiar with Mike Furman, he was half of Hard and Firm that he did with Chris Hardwick. Uh, he was also part of the Nerdist TV shows and a lot with UCB. He's done he's an incredible musician. He's worked with Weird Al's done you know, some incredible stuff at Sketchfest. So we've got him coming on next week and kind of talking about his career as well. And, you know, we had just an amazing time with Mike. So stay tuned for that next week. Um, and then coming up as well, uh, Mateen Stewart, another amazing comedian, uh, is coming up in two weeks. So you guys are not going to want to miss those episodes as well. Plus, we did a special uh, episode at the, at the Chaplin Studios, now the Jim Henson Studios, uh, out there in Los Angeles. 
and it was really a fun, fun podcast. Myself, Christopher James, and Jesse Knight, uh, just talk, talking Chaplin movies. So you're, you're going to hear Christopher and Jesse at all of these episodes as well. It was great to finally have them available to to be on, you know, with some of the guests that we have on the podcast. So really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Again, thank you so much to Brandy Posey, you know, for taking the time to to come down and, and, and hang out with us uh, in, in our hotel room, above all places. So we were supposed to be recording over at UCB on Sunset, and uh, since we were there over Labor Day weekend, it was closed when we showed up. Uh, and, and so Brandy was cool enough to come over to our hotel uh, while we sat down and talked with her. Uh, so thank you so much, Brandy. It was so great you know, being able to finally sit down and talk. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and seriously... Go listen to the Lady Lady Podcast. If you're in Los Angeles, go check out Picture This. It's an awesome show. Go see it. And most importantly, get on iTunes or get on her website and buy Opinion Cave. It is seriously one of my favorite albums I've listened to this year. So I, I, I even tell her that while she's on the show. And again, it's not just because she's on the show that I'm saying that. It's seriously one of my favorite albums I've listened to this year. So go check that out. Pick it up on iTunes or on her website. Again, thank you so much for all of the support. Love hearing from you guys. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Tim Drake and following the podcast at On the Mic Podcast. Really hope you guys enjoy this episode with Brandy Posey. Whatever we're saying just kind of kind of goes into it. So when do we start? It's going. Oh. It's, it's it's rolling. It's it, it's about as informal as it can be. You got one of those <laughs> Mark Marin sneaky intros. Yeah. Okay. So I've I've only a few times have I totally caught somebody off guard where it's been going for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina Wong actually when she was on, she, it was almost all the way done and she was just like, oh we've been recording this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> which awesome. i loved because she was super open and like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like she was doing an interview and that podcast ruined her career <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was it was funny too because even when she posted about it a couple days later she was like yeah i had no idea we were rolling on this entire show oh, that's great like, it's like it's it, it's it's nice if you don't think that oh it's because when you tell people that you're rolling every everybody shifts into that uncomfortable okay here we yeah. There we go. It's 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 time to it's time to talk on a microphone. It's professional time. Yeah, it's yeah. professional time. And let me put on my cover cover letter <laughs> voice right now for you. <laughs> really try to win this job interview. <laughs> so as we were driving uh, down, we we mm-hmm. had to go back through and listen to Opinion Cave again. And Aww, that, thank that you. That album seriously is is one of my favorites I've listened to this year. Oh, thank you. So, I'm not just saying that because you're here. We were all laughing our ass off. And Hell yeah! Oh yeah, we I haven't revisited it since. Uh, you know, you came to go do a mm-hmm. live at 50 West, and then yeah. when it came out, so it was kind of a nice, uh, nice comeback to it. And it nice. was like laughing my ass off just as hard as I did the first time. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud of it. It's been it's been doing really well. Yeah, and your uh, entire bit about Macy's hits extra close <laughs> to home for me because oh, I really? actually worked for Macy's years ago. Oh yeah, and I was in I I sold men's suits. Yeah, and I would always have people coming in that needed to buy stuff. For funerals. It seriously is the place that you go <laughs> to look at a dead body, to have, buy clothes for a dead body, like yeah. to look at a dead body, to, you know, all of it. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> I laughed so hard every time because, like, <laughs> I, I've lived through that multiple times. Oh, More yeah. Times I would ever, ever want to again. <laughs> like, you look so good in that suit. It's like, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah now, anytime, like, I, I, don't, I don't think I even own a suit anymore, but 
if I was ever buy one from Macy's, if somebody told me I look good and I'm like, good, like good, good, or good, like corpse good. Like, <laughs> yeah, which, exactly. Which level of good are we going to here? <laughs> you need, Thank you. need one suit, you know, for fancy events. I don't go to fancy events. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a suit? Oh, yeah, I've got like two. Damn. Yeah, just in case. This guy with two suits over here. He, yeah. he he wears a blazer like when we've gone to Conan. I made last time I made <laughs> him take off his blazer. I would not let him wear it. Yeah. <laughs> the blazer is the source of my power. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It works for me. Do you ever wear, a, like to wear Yeah. <laughs> I was I was just going to say you do like to dress classy. Yeah, I like to class it up, you know. Okay. And I make fun of him for it. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever wear a hoodie under a blazer? Do you ever, you ever do like the Kevin Smith at an award show route? Have no, you ever done that I one? I don't think I could pull that off. That's okay. a good idea. It's too yeah. many layers for me. Yeah. It just like makes me think of every indie film festival I've ever driven past. Like a <laughs> yeah. lot of guys <laughs> in like hoodies and jackets. No, they have. Like, ab- I mean, as look. many times as I've done Sundance, that's absolutely. Yeah. And exactly. Uh, like they'll have their big puffy coats on, mm-hmm. and then they remove that, and then there's the blazer with the hoodie yeah. underneath it. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a douche turducken. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, every time somebody does that this year, this coming Sundance, that's all I'm going to think is it's the douche <laughs> <Yes>. turducken. <laughs> TM Brandy Blazer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, now how long have you been uh, living in Los Angeles now? Um, It'll be. It actually, it'll be 10 years in January, wow. so I'm at about nine and three quarters right now, which is crazy. So you officially feel like a native now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like very much like my adult home. Like I moved here when I was 21, 22, 22. How old am I? 22. And um, yeah, it's like you're barely a person when you're 22. So like I've become a person in yeah. Los Angeles, you know? It's like that's when I figured out how to not just be... A monster all the time <laughs> <laughs> was in the city. <laughs> it, Los Angeles, th- especially at that age, it can be such a. It, it can either just fuck you for good. Oh yeah. Or if you, as long as you've got your head on straight going into it, like you, you learn fast. Definitely. It's it, that's one thing I've always loved with the city. I mean, with the first time I had moved out here, I wasn't re- like I thought I was ready, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't ready. And I look at it now, and I'm like, I guess it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like now prepping to move back. Like yeah. now, now I'm totally ready. Like as often as I'm back here as it is, even as we were driving through and we got into town today, yeah, it's like I remember the first time coming through and I was like, oh my god, there's that and there's like this is, and now now it's just I'm so used to it. And Chris is pointing things out because this is only his second time down here. And I was like, like, oh yeah, third? that's right, that's that, that's that's there. Is it your third or third? Yeah, it's your like third time. No, it's your second with us. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot <laughs> I didn't have a life before before Timmy and. That's right. I'm, I'm glad that you acknowledge us at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beforehand, you were just a single-celled organism just out there, just kind of floating floating around. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was not yet a person, not yet a man. I was, uh, <laughs> so when you moved here 10 years ago, what, was comedy the main... Well, I mean, yes, but like not necessarily stand-up. Like I moved out here because I wanted to write comedy first, which I, I still do, mm-hmm. but, you know, performing kind of became something that I fell in love with. Um, like, I moved... So I went to I went to film school in Philadelphia. Um, which school? Uh, Drexel. Drexel okay. University. I got Orange Countyed uh, in high school where, like, my guidance counselor didn't send my SATs to anybody. <laughs> and oh. I oh, no. didn't catch it for a while. And then my friends were starting to get their acceptance letters. And I was like, I'm fucking smarter than these idiots. Where's my <laughs> where's my school? <laughs> I'm going to film school. Like, I could definitely get into film yeah. school. And then I called, like, um, I called Ithaca 
because I had applied there, and uh, they were like, so we have everything except for SATs, and we can't even look at your application until we have everything. And I was like, oh, is that is that what happened everywhere? Yeah, that's what happened everywhere? Okay. So I like had to get my guidance counselor to... I The first human being, adult, that... I've ever yelled at that wasn't like in my family. I was just like, you have one job in four years. <laughs> Don't ruin my fucking life, bitch. Like I like, oh man, and I've never gone off like that in my life. And then I would get into, like I got into Ithaca, but I didn't get into the film program. I got into NYU, but I didn't get into Tisch. So it was like, I could be undeclared for two years yeah. before I could join. And I was like, no, nah, I know what I want to do. But Drexel let me into their film program. And I'm glad I ended up going there, but I went there for four years and I, um, like did a, it was all, all my short films were basically just like sketch comedy my professors would be that's like, how every one of mine pretty much has been <laughs> yeah right well i mean it's so funny because like all my professors are like but what does this make you feel and i'm like i don't know, it's a funny idea like yeah. I, it's, I i thought it was a funny idea like that's it doesn't have to be something from my the bowels of my soul yeah. like i don't know <laughs> like also serious short films are just like fucking ego trips to me because i'm yeah. like who gives a fu- i'm not gonna care about these characters for five minutes why? Why would I? Because for five minutes, I don't care about them. I'm not going to go there. No. Yeah. Out, out of all of them I've done, because my, my producing partner couldn't make it with us today, oh. he his primary thing is he's an actor. Okay. And so, like, w- we've done a few serious ones, mm-hmm. but most of them have all just been ridiculous. But then that film side of our brain comes out. Yeah. And it's like, well, we have to still make this look awesome. And we had one that won that International 48 Festival nice. that screened out here, the Directors Guild. And it's just a ridiculous ridiculously stupid satire on mob life mm-hmm. but the entire thing is just all shot in one shot mm. and we went and saw Birdman like three times beforehand because we cool. wanted to see how they were doing their movements and yeah, stuff yeah. and we're in, they're sitting there in the director's guild people are laughing and laughing uh-huh. and all of a sudden I hear one guy just go wait is this all in one shot yeah. I was just like, yeah. Hell like, yeah. Even, even though it's just full of dick jokes and other stupid things. Still make it look good. Yeah, it, it still looks good. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, nah, I remember I had like a, I wanted to do like a mockumentary in one of my classes about, um, it was going to be like the behind the scenes of like a race where like nice guys are actually just finishing last. Like it was just going to yeah. be like a literal joke about that running throughout the whole thing. Kind of like a, um. Uh, what's the dog show movie? Wow, best in show, best in show. like a best in yeah. show th- style thing, but about like that's what I wanted to do. Oh, nice. and yeah, and like my professor was like, "So do you just feel like you're not connecting with men your age? Is like that what this is about?" <laughs> and I was like, "It's a funny idea. <laughs> like I don't know. I thought it would be funny to kind of like push myself creatively." <laughs> trying to, to get use of that psychology degree that nobody asked him about. Yeah. Oh God, that guy, <laughs> Jerry Hooper was his name, and he was this guy that like. He, like, the last of the beat poets that, like, made documentaries all over the world. Like, he would be like, I once drank uh, vodka in the Himalayas of the last remaining members of Stalin's communist Russia. It was a dream come true. Like, he just had, always had weird things like that that yeah. he would say. He, he, I remember one time he was like, I once asked Allen Ginsberg to play a pickup game of softball with us, and he declined on Berkeley's campus. <laughs> like, he always had weird shit like that. And I was like, dude, we're not going to get along. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to like anything I'm about because you take yourself way too seriously. Yeah. I feel like this guy wears a bow tie, like, all the time. Opposite. The opposite. He just, oh, shit. He just always, like, a deep V black shirt with, like, <laughs> black chest hair, garbled black beard. And just like a very, very tan white man. Tan to the point that he's trying to not be white. Like that. I remember like (laughs) we had one friend that um, 
I forget her. I, I don't even remember her name anymore. What? Not a friend. A uh, girl in film school. And um, I remember Jerry Hooper was like, I just, I love the way your name sounds. It's so exotic. I hate the Anglo-Saxon title I've been saddled with. Oh, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> just say things like that. And you're like, I don't know. Why, what's the matter with you? That would have been one of those classrooms I would have walked into, heard that, and just be like, nope. Oh, <laughs> just walked yeah. right back out. <laughs> I had a notebook of just things that he would say. Those are the only notes from those classes. It's <laughs> like, all right, Jerry, you're just a crazy person that I'm going to just keep in the back of my brain for something sooner yeah, or later. Those, yeah. those are the best things sometimes when you have that comedy side of the brain for sketch writing and stuff. Oh, yeah. You yeah. see, even as we were at Salt Lake Comic Con this mm-hmm. last week, there was just this creepy ass guy that was part of the press mm-hmm. and like i'm just staring at him through the press conference yeah. christopher's kind of watching me like why are you just watching this guy and i was like <laughs> so i'm making a character in my head right now yeah i'm just keeping all my facts yeah, and, and christopher's just like what character i'm like he's the finger in the butt guy that's who he is yep yeah i came up with his whole story arc because we awesome. just stood there in the press conference <laughs> but i love having those people but yeah you just store in the back of your mind and like oh, i'm gonna reference you someday <laughs> yeah it's like you will be the broad strokes of something <laughs> sooner or later oh man yeah but i like uh i yeah i like went to film school fought with all my professors about doing comedy and then i my senior year i like went up and took sketch classes at ucb in new york um and then i i'm not a fan of new york i like visiting it i could never live there um yeah. and then so i decided to give la a shot so i made the move and i took sketch classes um when I first came out here too, and I never really like still at UCB, still at UCB out here, yeah. I never really saw myself as like a, an actor, and still don't. I mean, I'll act in things if asked, and I'm told that I'm pretty good, but I don't think of myself that way. Yeah. Um. But then I like right before I turned 24, I kind of freaked out and was like, I gotta do something else. All right, cool. We gotta let's do this. So I signed up for like improv and a stand up workshop just to be like, what do I like? What don't I like? Let's figure it out. Because I I never really thought about stand up as a thing because like growing up in the nineties I don't know how old you guys are but like when I w- the nineties was like that's when I was watching TV like yeah. mo- the majority of the comics on TV were were like all dudes there was very few women and like a lot of th- there there were great great stand up acts at that time but a lot of them were like very aggressive broy backward baseball cap kind of dudes too and like I mean there was like you know you still had like uh, Margaret Show, and you had, um, you know, there, there, there were some people like Janine Garofalo was a part of that, but like I didn't really know about like the alt scene then necessarily because yeah. that wasn't really on, what was on Comedy Central. Like the only stand-up special that I like really remember of that decade is like Dana Carvey's, you know. It's yeah, I, like, I remember his <laughs> and probably half of the Cosby ones that I, yeah, that I yeah. heard at the time. Exactly, which like, are now all ruined for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like so, like SNL and like shows like Seinfeld were more influences for me, mm-hmm. like more like like so like the writing was what i wanted to do because i was like i don't want to be friends with any of those guys i don't think we're gonna have anything in common and i started going to stand-up shows out here at the ucb and was like oh shit they talk about abraham lincoln and the specials just as much as i do okay (laughs) (laughs) cool there maybe there's more to stand up than i'm giving it credit so i kind of just fell in love with it immediately never liked doing improv i can do it i don't like doing it because the writer in my head is just like give me a second i will have the perfect thing if you just give me a fucking second to redo <laughs> yeah. it and it's it's i'm a control freak and it just doesn't that's we don't, always we don't been jive. my problem with improv too is i'm never i'm never the person to start a scene yeah I'm all, i always like to be the one that just kind of comes into the scene and just starts heightening with with mm-hmm. just the random shit that comes to my mind totally 
So and 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 then I like to just kind of drop that in and just like make my way through the scene. And yeah, I, it's like it's like I, I enjoy bringing that in. Yeah, I, I could never as much as I love it. These guys have to deal with me going on riffs all the time. We're yeah. just like full out stories the, yeah. and and some random character. Mm-hmm. But it's like yeah, you put me on a stage to do that in an improv environment, and I'm just like yeah, I don't want to do it that way. Yeah, totally. Well, and like I'm also when there's a lot of people in like on the back line of improv, like I'm not. I'm not a person that like needs to be heard all the time. Like it's kind of why I think I like stand up because I'm like, okay, this is my time to talk, and then I'm fine. Um, but like when I'm in like a line of people and everybody else is so hungry to like, jump in, I'm just like, you can go ahead. Like I don't need to. I don't need to be in the spotlight right now. So like I I get kind of like not lost, but kind of just am not. I'm like I don't. I'm not gonna fight you. Like I don't yeah. like to fight for my my time to talk like that's my thing like if if you feel like you need to fight over me you're an idiot so you go ahead it's kind of how i feel (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like all right that's fine you don't get this then (laughs) 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 so i'm just like silently punishing my improv team on the back line by being like you don't get my brilliance right now which is (laughs) (laughs) i'm a secret monster you guys Uh, (laughs) i feel like that makes sense yeah it's more of you wanted it's more of a natural thing for you You don't want it to be forced and i feel like that's the better comedy anyway yeah Yeah. totally Exactly. So I, I just I love stand up, and I I've been out here for maybe a year and a half, and I started really diving into stand up out here. So not and Barbara Gray and I started basically at the same time, which was fun. We both were like in different improv one on one classes, and we met at a graduation party, and then we both were like we both like stand up a lot, right? Like yeah. So then we just started going to mics together and stuff. So we're like from day one together basically yeah, and it's good to have have that person too that oh yeah you can share that bond with because then even when like things get shitty or things you know mm-hmm. just make that turn we're like well, what the fuck do i do now it's good yeah. to have that person that's in that in that same boat and like christopher and i a lot of the times like all right well this this didn't go the way that we thought it was going to uh mm-hmm. Okay, what's next? And then yeah. J- Jess is usually behind us, going, "All right, well, I guess I'm on for the ride too." Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> lackey. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great to have somebody to play off uh, with stand-up. You know, when you're on the stage, they're in the crowd, and vice versa. You know, and mm-hmm. it gives you kind of a great way to. It's nice to have that kind of a uh, oh yeah. Quran, you know, then you get your best ideas mm-hmm. sometimes just by someone telling you, "Hey." You know, that was good. Maybe it could be better doing it this way. Definitely. Well, and also, like, if you're in a horrible stand-up situation, which is what happens a lot when you're, like, a young stand-up, mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, yeah. this is, uh, this is, if it's not outright hostile, it's just outright sad, like, in a lot of sh- early shows. And it's great to have somebody else to kind of be able to make eye contact with. As long as somebody else bears witness to the shittiness, you can do anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you need, you just need somebody else to be like, Oh boy! <laughs> I think a lot of young comics too don't realize that having that person there too, it's great to kind of even be able to to sit down and structure jokes with them. Oh, definitely. So, and, and that's like Christopher and I were even talking earlier how uh, one of the last mics I've gone to with Christopher, like an hour before the show, we were both just going through the sets that we were going to do, and oh, well, try, try wording it this way instead, yeah. and, it'll, and it'll land better, and mm-hmm. and it was great to just quickly riff. And then mm-hmm. as soon as each of us hit, hit the stage and seeing how well those lines hit, it's like it's a double victory in a way when those, yeah. when those yeah. type of things happen. Without a doubt, yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, as you and Barbara kind of got going, how, how soon after was it that you guys started Lady to Lady? Um, Let's see. Lady to Lady has been going for... I, I know I talked to Barbara about this like a year ago, but it oh, didn't yeah. it didn't really cross in that same way. That oh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't th- I don't think I knew that you guys met that way. Uh, oh from, yeah, from UCB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've known each other. Yeah, I mean, like we did that. I mean, 
it's interesting because it's like we don't really of the improv clubs we're probably the most in with the ucb but like i don't i don't do a ton of stuff over there other mm-hmm. than stand-up shows like we do lady to lady like once every couple of months over there but yeah. that's like that's about it we don't really push for i mean we're not improvisers so we don't do it too much over there but yeah like we um let's see lady has been going for four years and i've been doing stand-up for about eight and a half so the first like four years or so it was of Santa was just us like figuring it out and like running we all we we did different shows at different times like I've always been a big believer in like you run your you run your own show to figure out how to run a show to figure out the things that you need to figure out as a comic like I hosted an open mic for three years um, just to figure out how to host uh, I ran a show for three years called the four and 20 that was four comics during 20 minutes each <laughs> just trying to figure out how to be a feature yeah. And um, the only people that came to that were like, like two old transients, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they were great. They're great dudes, but it was like, okay, if I can make this room laugh, then I got this. It's yeah. good. And then picture this: my other show kind of has started because like, I I get so like scripted. I used to get so scripted in my jokes in my head, and like wasn't like letting myself play within them. I was very like, this is how the joke goes, and that kind of forced me out of my shell. And then Lady to Lady just kind of happened. Yeah, about four about four years ago, um, we a bunch of us were talking outside of like a like a, a another show in downtown LA, and we're like, oh, it would be really funny if we did like a talk show called Lady Lady to Lady. It was like a dumb name we came up with, and then <laughs> a friend of ours that's actually Lady Lady's producer, David Janov, he um he ran a black box theater for a year just to see if he could like run a theater, mm-hmm. and we uh he asked us if we wanted to do something there, and we threw up Lady to Lady there, and we just clicked immediately. And started the podcast maybe like six months later, mostly just because the live show was a monthly thing. And we we're like, oh, we should work on our banter a little bit more. And then we started the podcast from there, and then it kind of has blown up. Yeah, I mean, it's always cool to see some of the guests that you guys have. And, yeah. And and be able to just, just see, like, more and more as I see people that will just randomly mention, I'm just like, hey, mm-hmm. I know those guys. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool, cool. To, it's cool to see it to see it blow up. Now, you, men- you mentioned Picture This. Mm-hmm. So... I think it is one of the most brilliant concepts. I, I oh, almost was able to come to it the last time I was out here. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, the show I was at over at Meltdown went too long. Uh. And I was just like, ah, and it was a great one. Cause I want to say you had like Nikki Glaser. Oh yeah. I mean, this was all the way back in March. Yeah. Yeah. So, I remember when Nikki was, was on it, but I, I don't think you two even know what picture this is. Do you, I don't know if I've, I've told you yeah, about, I've heard it. about it. So where, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. So yeah. it's, it's standups that do mm-hmm. material while a, a cartoonist mm-hmm. draws the, Jokes behind the jokes them. behind them, yeah. Yeah, and it's all in real time, so it's like you're dealing with a very talented heckler, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I always liken it to, you know that, that Looney Tunes cartoon where Bugs is the animator and he's fucking with Daffy? Yeah. But, like, yeah, redrawing yeah, yeah. him? Like, that's, like, the vibe that I try to establish oh, in I that show. That. Like, a very, like, it's it's fun. It's this weird back and forth. Because it's cool because you get to see, like, your jokes filtered through somebody else's brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun because it's like you think you know... You think the way that you visualize your joke happening is one way, and you have no idea. Like, that show made me realize, oh, the audience doesn't necessarily see it exactly the way that I am. Because, like, sometimes the animators will draw stuff, and I'm like, oh, and I wasn't looking at it from that angle. That's interesting. That's, like, a weird... That that's the way that you took what I just said. So are are comics usually pretty eager to do it, or are they a little apprehensive to be able to see their jokes? A little bit of both. It's Well, it's that show makes stand-up comedians more 
more nervous than most shows in LA, like because they don't have control. Like they do have control because they're or they don't, they think they have less control than they usually do because like they think that they they're dictating like the jokes, but they will never be as dynamic as the giant dick being drawn behind them. <laughs> 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 and like a lot of them, it's funny because like big headliners have a problem, like have a little bit of a problem with it because they're just like, why are you getting my laughs? Like they're. Yeah. And like once you kind of have to like let the ego go and be like, oh no, we're like working together, and it, you see th- you see it click in their brain, and then they have fun with it. It's so it's it's a real fun. I love it. I mean, but it makes people really really nervous. Yeah, and yeah. and I mean, unfortunately for the cartoonists, I mean, there, there's a lot of great cartoonists out there, mm-hmm. but more people are going to also remember the comics name. So even if they're yeah. making a, you know, even if the the mm-hmm. picture is what's grabbing the laugh, yeah. People are more or less going to remember, oh, I, I saw this comic up there. Yeah. They were hilarious. Mm-hmm. And some guy was driving behind him. Yeah. So no, nothing against the, the cartoonists, but a lot of people just don't remember the yeah. artist's names. Well, they don't, but a lot of the artists that we get have, like, their own animation followings, yeah. too, though. Oh, and wow. a lot of them I've looked up when I've seen you post shows about them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, who is this one? I'm like, oh, shit, they do a lot of awesome stuff. We get some We get some legit, like, our, um, our our headliner animator every month, one of our, like, co-guys that runs it with this is this guy named Mike Hollingsworth, and Mike is, like, the supervising director on BoJack Horseman. Like, he, like, did... Oh, damn. Nice. Yeah, and Mike is, like, a beast. He's made it... He's made it... He's worked on a bunch of TV shows. We have people from, like, Metalocalypse, Mr. Pickles, like, Powerpuff Girls, like, every... I mean, like those that that community is as small as stand up is. So it's yeah. like they all kind of know each other, and it's interesting watching them do it for the first time because a lot of because they're not used to like real t- real time feedback. So for them, they're just like, "Why are people laughing at my drawings?" <laughs> people don't <laughs> usually laugh until this has all been inked and colored, and then I see it on the TV with my friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they have fun, but man, it's just as it's it's a really nerve wracking show for everybody involved. Which I've done it enough at this point that I'm generally not that stressed about it. So it's really fun just to sit back and be like. <laughs> have, have you ever had any comic that's just straight up been like, no, that's not happening with my jokes? We've had a couple of people that think that if they don't look at the pictures and they just power through, they will be funnier than what's happening behind them. But it never works out for them. like they, Because it's the the audience will laugh at what you say, but then they're waiting to, he- they're waiting to see. So that's what gets the big laugh. Cause that's oh, yeah. like the double punch. So it's like, they get the, the comedians get mad because they're like, this drawing stealing my laughs. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. and you get, you get, you see people like, I've seen a couple of people like break down on stage. It's kind of, it's, and, <laughs> but then like the, I tell the animators, I'm like, if they do that shit, go after them harder. Cause whatever like you shouldn't have that kind of ego on stage it like makes yeah. you a, a, a worse comic yeah you enjoy <laughs> yeah. your surroundings as a comedian exactly. you don't need to uh, we like, always get t- taken away like that whole like mm-hmm. nervousness of it get taken away of the attention of us because we're a little bit narcissistic oh yeah definitely <laughs> oh we absolutely are i mean it's just like it's it's about the service of the joke it's not about yeah. you individually like put that away just have have fun with it and also i like that show because it kind of just like words aren't as precious as we like to think they are yeah so it's nice to be like i can find the funny is there because it's there unspoken through some of the stuff that i'm saying too so it kind of just force it takes away a safety net that isn't really a safety net but like it's something that you you think you're relying on and then a lot of people have done it and been like that was a rush i uh am really i I feel like i'm a better comic for having done this yeah (laughs) yeah you get the two correlations of different types of creativity too with that, yeah. so it's kind of nice. Well, and it's cool too because like a lot of the the artists that we use, like they were cut from the same cloth. Like we both 
process we both like come up with these funny premises but just they process visually and we process verbally so it's like it's a comedic mind but the output is different so it's really cool just to see like a different a different way of getting the same premise across because i mean i I talked to all the animators afterwards and they're all funny and like we we get along really great i'm like oh man i animators are awesome <laughs> i mean it's it's really almost like a look at like the the inside of of a regular production in a way too it's like yeah. m- most people aren't thinking oh wait there's actually somebody that's making mm-hmm. you know bart simpson bart simpson not just and then of course you have nancy Cartwright making him talk and you have mm-hmm. all the brilliant writers that are giving him all those jokes and most people don't necessarily really think about that yeah and so you, i mean you're getting to watch two stages of of a production in a way come together and yeah I mean, it, that, that's just what kind of heightens the the brilliance of that kind of a show to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's been really, really fun. And it's cool, too, because, like, I, we, we toured at a lot of festivals and stuff, too. Like, we just did um, High Plains in, in Denver. And um, we're going to be in D.C. at the Benson Ball in, no, in o- the end of October, oh, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm super stoked about that. I'm from D.C. originally, so I'm very, like... All right, cool. Coming home, doing my thing. <laughs> do you get good hometown crowds when you do that? Yeah, yeah, it's good. I usually throw like um, I throw like a Christmas show like once a year whenever I go home, just to be like, "Hi, everybody! I miss all of you. Come out, see, do some stand up, yeah. and have some fun." So that's always a good time. I mean, I never did stand up there. Like, I started in LA, so it's kind of hard to just be like, I know a couple of comics in the local DC scene, but not that many. Um. But I'll I'll kind of like hit them up when I go home to be like, hi, I uh I live here, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not like I'm not a, I'm not a big deal, but I'm like a small to medium deal maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I want to meet you guys. <laughs> so I mean, with going back and doing the hometown shows, bef- like as you came out here, mm-hmm. I mean, if people are supportive now, yeah, were they all along when you came out? Because I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with sometimes when they're making the big move to LA especially I mean e- even going through the film school process yeah is where you know your family at least my family mm-hmm. was like oh well what are you, are, doing? Are you sure, sure you're gonna do that like that's you know there's business school still like you, yeah you can, you can do that I, I always I feel like half my life was all of the episodes of Seinfeld where Jerry's mom was always like, "Have you looked at the executive positions at Bloomingdale's?" Oh yeah, like, that, <laughs> I, I, I heard that over and over and over again. Yeah. So did did you did you experience that when you you know not just went to film school but mm-hmm. even even as you came out here the the kind of backlash of that? I mean, it's funny because it's like my I'm the only person in my family that's really tried to make a creative life happen. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. My dad's a CPA. Uh, my mom uh, was like a housewife. Um, all my aunts and uncles have like worked for, like my aunt worked for the NSA. My other uncle like was like an electrician for BGE or whatever. And um, like uh, no one else has ever. I played French horn since I was in fourth grade. I've always been artsy. Like I've yeah. always like had. That's always what I wanted to do. And like when I went to film school, it was like that's they knew how much I loved movies, and I kind of like sold it to my dad as like, hey. I'm getting production experience like that is more than just necessarily TV. Like I've worked on live event campaigns for like automotive marketing stuff. Like, I mean, I was, I kind of like sold it to him like, Hey, I'm learning how to like do production. We see live events literally all of the time. This is a film. This is a skill set that applies to anything. Yeah. You know, that's the way I sold it to him. And then in my head, I was like, I'm going to be famous director. like he didn't know how to know about that part but i kind of like upsold it really hard and like 
I've I'm a good kid too. Like I was never like a problem kid. I was always just like I don't know. I love movies and ska music, and um, maybe I spend too much money, too much of my parents' money on books. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like never really gave them a huge reason to be that concerned. You know, so they were like, okay, I guess she knows what she's doing. Like. Um, and then when I wanted to move out here, like I, I always wanted to move to LA. They always knew I wanted to move to California and see it. Like they just, I kind of had been prepping them for that since I like knew what LA, what California was when I was a kid. Like I always wanted to move here. Like I love Maryland. I love being from there, but you know, I kind of just wanted to get out and see more. Like I love, I love traveling and I've also been able to like more or less make a, a living in some way since then. Like as long as I've been like self sufficient, my my dad has kind of been like, okay. Every once in a while he'll kind of be like, you know, I thought you'd be like a like a you know uh, you'd be like a executive producer on something by now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm going through it through the creative route because you can do that and work your way up like the production ranks. But yeah. like, and, and that's nowhere near as fun. No, it's not <laughs> as fun. And like, I just don't like I. I didn't like working production. Like it's the it's long hours. They're like you know twelve to sixteen hour days. Everybody is kind of a martyr. They really love being like I've been here for fourteen hours and I didn't take lunch. And I'm like, life's too short, man. I don't do that. Yeah. Like uh, uh-uh. I've like built a life where I do a minimal amount of like other work than creative work that I need to do to get by. Like I've just been kind of just trying to pare everything down so I just have room to just focus on on that. And that's um, that's where I want to be. Like, I'd rather be happy and like be a little bit poor than you know, be the, the steady production job. Yeah, and exactly. if anybody's ever had to tie a silk flag together and build that frame, it's a fucking nightmare. And oh nobody yes, should, nobody should have to do that for a living. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, like, once you've had like one, one or two like real big producers just be like, "Excuse me, man," like just not not refuse to learn your name and then send you to do something demeaning, which is like. Uh uh-uh. uh, I have uh, I'm way too stubborn and mouthy <laughs> to do th- to do this for too long. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh, I gotta get out of this. <laughs> so oh. did you, did you ever get on any productions, bigger productions, to kind of work on that kind of mm-hmm. gave you that real inside look where you're just like, no. Oh yeah, I mean when I first worked moved out here, I worked for um, uh, there's a show on NBC called Cla- um, Thank God You're Here. That was like a one one season script uh improv thing that was all right that one wasn't too bad but then i worked for i worked for the great american inventor or american inventor but you know american Mm -hmm. idol but with inventors that show was miserable to work on i worked on deal or no deal for a season and that fucking sucked (laughs) oh god that show was horrible to work on what kind of what kind of hours did that show have it was like 16 to 18 hours a day damn it was crazy and because if you're a pa you're first there and you're last to leave and on that show you aren't even doing anything it's such a well-oiled machine that you aren't even doing anything interesting it's just you pulling trash cans and stuff and it's just like which is you know fine but just not not something I'm gonna do for 18 hours for like 125 bucks a day or something. It like wasn't enough for that. It, they just really, when you see how much money those shows make and how little they pay their PAs. It's like, fuck this. Yeah, and especially when you're trying to pay pay for rent in LA, like yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. l- little hard to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's also hard because there's literally no other time in your day to do anything else. Right. You know, it's like you couldn't even check your email to like 
or like tweet or something like you know you couldn't you can even do <laughs> yeah, that. depending on the production those phones aren't even allowed on set yes, if you wanted to <laughs> exactly so i was a, i was a pa for the first like year or two i was out here doing random stuff and then i was a i was a travel coordinator for a couple of shows i got kind of promoted to that and that was fine that actually i didn't mind it as much like the hours were a little bit better but um you I kind of learned how to like book tours basically mm-hmm. through that, which has kind of been like a good skill set to have, obviously for stand up. Um, and it's kind of like taught me like the discipline of like organizing my shit, so I don't have to worry about it later. Um, and like that, but I worked for it was a show at NBC called Clash of the Choirs. I worked on that. It was like a Christmas choir thing. Blake Shelton and uh, Patti LaBelle and Nick Lachey. And Kelly Rowland, it was those four. They had choirs of their hometown kids competing for like a charity or something. I don't something. even remember hearing about that one. It was just like a holiday special. It was like three nights or something. It was like live from New York. Um, and then, uh, and then I worked on Great American Road Trip, which was my last TV show that I worked on, and that was like a six-week across Route 66, um, uh, for like five or six families in Winnebago's competing like in different challenges across Route 66. And I was like the coordinator for that, which was fun. It was a lot, but it was it was good. And then I kind of like, I got a job, um, a, a PA that I'd worked with before got me a PA job at this automotive marketing company. And they paid way more. And the hours were like nine to five. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go do that. And then I'll have time for comedy again. <laughs> 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 yeah, Because you know, so, I would do comedy like in between jobs. But then... It's so hard because you never really make enough on those shows. So in between jobs, you're kind of like, well, what's coming next? Yeah. And like mo- money anxiety is like the most stifling thing for creativity that I think exists. Because, oh, yeah. you know, when you're just like, ah, my bills. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that there's no room for anything else in your head because you're just like, ah, I just want to. <sighs> Ow. How do I live? Do yeah. I have a house next month? Yeah. It, it got. I know for me, it got to that point for a little bit. And then I was just like. Or I can just like I can change it and just simply be like, well, I have to do entertainment stuff to pay the bills. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. And it yeah, I mean there was there was at least six months where it was just like, am I eating next week? I guess I, be, I guess I better put some shit together if I want to eat next week. Exactly. And it was I think it was one of the greatest motivators to mm-hmm. to have that money anxiety. Yeah. To just be like, all right, well, it, it's hell or high water, you know, sink or swim. Like I'm. We gotta find it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, ha- I have to do something to make to make this work. And yeah, definitely, definitely. Once you're like good enough that like you know that you have the chops to find that stuff, then you're kind of like, all right, let's do this. But for like those first couple of years when I was still just like doing open mics and bombing every fourth night, it was like, uh, <laughs> 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 I'm not even good at the thing I love. <laughs> <laughs> takes a while <laughs> how long do you feel like it took you to really really find your groove as a stand-up i mean i think uh i think like the f- i think i've really settled into my voice in the last like maybe two to three years um when i started going on the road i think is when it really kind of crystallized a little bit like because that was me kind of getting to take it out in front of different audiences and kind of get to see like what yeah what uh, what how my jokes stood up in front of other people and kind of like what i was going to give versus not give and where i would push back on like if you know what i needed to do and just kind of filling an hour is also it's not just you doing straight jokes at people it's you kind of being like hey this is who i am you need to like share share yourself a little bit more just non-verbally too it's weird because it's you just kind of 
needing to be comfortable for that hour instead of like in a 10 minute set you're very like this is the energy of a 10 minute set and i gotta keep it here the whole time bah, 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 bah. But when you do an hour it's kind of like ebbs and flows and like you can have fun and kind of go off and come back and getting to do that i think is what kind of like really kind of tightened tightened up who who i who my persona is on stage which isn't very far from who i really am yeah. It's just, you know, slightly more caffeinated, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best advice I'd heard came from Bill Bellamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had worked with him one weekend doing radio stuff, and then uh, Jay Whitaker was opening for him, mm-hmm. and we were talking about it afterwards. And he said, Bill looked at him and was just like, you know, uh, you're a great comic, but I don't know who you are. Yeah. And and he's just like, within those first couple minutes, like, I don't need to know who you are. And that's when I was just like, oh. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was just that it was that light bulb moment where it's just mm-hmm. okay. So I need to, I need, I need to start learning how to write then because it yeah. was, it, it, it was, it was the biggest eye opener. I think, I think I've had. I know, I know Christopher opens that way where you, you know exactly how his set is going to be. Yeah, from, yeah. From from the moment he walks on stage, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to get them comfortable and be like a little self deprecation and then slowly build myself up from there. Nice. Yeah, I like it. The hero's journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the underdog. Before oh, I yeah. before I had that advice, so I will never forget one night where I I got up, mm-hmm. I went really dark, yeah, just immediately bombed bad, and I <laughs> I'd asked another comic afterwards, it's like, what what advice do you have for that? And he's just he just sat there, and he's like, man, you went really fucking dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Escalated very quickly. Yeah. 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 It, I, all I remember is I had opened up with a necrophilia joke, like oh, right out damn. the gates. Well, there you and, go. And yeah, it was just like that audience was like, "Nope, that's <laughs> we're not doing this." <laughs> well, it's hard because it's like I mean, I do a lot of dark stuff, and you kind of have to just like they need to trust you. Yeah. They need to yeah. trust that you're not about to ruin their life. <laughs> like, because like when you do get really dark, it is kind like you can't just do it out of the gate because then they're like, then they're on, they're like. What else are you going to say? Happening? What else yeah. are you going to say? Like, I just, I don't know, man. I had a hard week. What are you going to, you're ruining my, <laughs> come just on. Just being like a comforting madness in the sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they need to know that, you, they need to know that you're okay, number one. <laughs> yeah. Like, they just need, it's, it's, stand up is just a really slow trust fall with an audience constantly. Just I like, hey. I love that yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. That is great. Yeah, just, let me just lay this audience down. We got this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to try to trust fall off stage now and just see if they'll <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's so I end all my sets now. I just <laughs> just a big trust fall. <laughs> broken my neck five times. <laughs> but I got free nachos out of it. So. Yeah, exactly. It's great. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> so now, now, when you were building Opinion Cave, mm-hmm. it came out in February. Yeah. So how, how long did that take you to, to build up, not just to the mm-hmm. to the hour as it is, but, you know, Putting it together. Putting it together and being like, all right, I've got an album. Like, we're going to do this. Well, I recorded it last September. Um, and I wa- I had wanted to get it out before the end of the year, but there was like, there's a, I have a bonus track on it that's kind of a weird. We oh, laughed yeah. our asses off at it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have a weird, like, it's like a weird remix of one of my jokes. It's so silly. And because um, I wanted to do, like, you know, I'm a ska kid. I love ska music. Like all my old album, favorite albums from the nineties, like they always had that hidden track that was yeah. like a yeah. weird thing. So I was like, here's my weird, weird hidden track. <laughs> but then of course it's like, you can't cause there's nothing. It's a physical CD. You can't put like a distance in it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can hurry. Fine. If it's on Spotify and there's like three minutes of silence, people will never listen to this track. <laughs> 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 
Um, but like I um, let's see the first the first national tours I started doing were like a year and a half before the album recording. And I kind of just started throwing up all of my jokes. And that's kind of when I started like seeing kind of common themes and seeing where things kind of belonged in chunks. And I, the first tour that I did was maybe six weeks and about halfway through, I was like, I think I definitely have an album here. Like it's ready. And I also knew that like I had, I have a couple of jokes, my mom passing away that I was like, I want these these need to be done sooner than later because mm. I can't like, I don't tell those jokes anymore. Cause it's like, I love them, but they have like a specific mo- emotional honesty that was real at the time that, you know, I still feel those jokes, but it's like you tell them differently now than when you first recorded them. Yeah. Like were, it were you hesitant to do them at first kind of having that. Mm-hmm. I mean, be, be in the situation of having, having a parent pass. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know Chris Hardwick's kind of talked about it. Like, as his dad passed, like, yeah. find going to that uncomfortable place. I mean, mm-hmm. was that how it was for you? Is it was, in a way, kind of that therapy to just be like, I've got to deal with this in one way. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it definitely was, th- it, it was helpful, but then also, like, I, I've had a lot of people with certain other jokes that have just been like, oh, man, thank you for that. Like, you're the only person I've ever heard say X, Y, and Z on stage. Like, thank you for that. And I knew that, like, there aren't a lot of people that do jokes about having a parent pass. And I was like, this is something that, like, this is a way that if I have a funny joke about this that is real and honest and connects and resonates with people, that's a way to make people feel less alone. It's a way that I can, like, honor my mom through telling this joke. It's a way that I can, like make her death mean something uh to me that's a positive you know so it kind of was like th- it was therapy but it was also like written with like these are ways that i can make like something mean more this is a way for me to find sense in, in something right. that happened make a difference connect with the audience yeah that type of thing uh, not mm-hmm. to digress but i'm no. curious because it sounds like you i mean you wanted to come to la and you had in mind to do comedy from an early age was it a series of events or like was it one moment where you realized like this is what I'm gonna do. Well, like, um, there's a, a couple, a couple of different things. Like, you the bro- the broad strokes. Like, I, we've talked about this. Yeah. Uh, Ace Ventura Two uh, was a major, major influence on me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like remember seeing that movie in theater. It's funny because I remember seeing that movie in the theaters, and um, I. The scene where he comes out of the rhino's ass is the funniest <laughs> at that moment in my life that I'd ever laughed at anything. It was the hardest I'd ever laughed. I was crying and I was like, I want to, I want to do comedy. I don't like, I don't, I didn't know what that meant quite yet, but I was like, I want to be in that world somehow. And I became like obsessed with comedy from that moment basically. And then like, I, all my friends were funny. Like me, all my, my girlfriends and my guy friends were always just like, we were always goofing off. Like we weren't like we weren't popular we weren't nerdy we we're kind of just like the ones in the middle that were like i don't know we just like like stuff like fuck you if you're an asshole like i don't care <laughs> <laughs> whatever i'm great you're missing out <laughs> i like kind of always had like that kind of cockiness like the, a non-judgy cockiness where i'm like you know i'm sorry if you have a problem with this like i'm i'm a delight so uh, figure it out that's your problem <laughs> um but like ace and Churro is a big thing for me snl like in we were in seventh grade, me and like I had like six girlfriends that we were all like obsessed with SNL and um, Seinfeld, and we would, we would on on Fridays we would come in with like literal notes on the Seinfeld episode for the night before, and we're like these were our favorite lines, this is our favorite nice. thing. Like we had like 
notes on the show and we would do the same thing on Monday with SNL where we would have like we would have a phrase of the week where we would vote on Monday's lunch of like our favorite SNL joke and that was like our phrase of the week that we would use like I was obsessed with both of those shows I have like sketches that I've like transcribed from SNL because I was like these jokes are so funny I need them because there weren't there wasn't Hulu or anything back then Um, and then Upright Citizens Brigade was a big deal for me too. Like that TV show was, I mean, my first, the first Amy Poehler that I ever saw, and and uh, Conan O'Brien. Like Late Night was, Late Night was everything to me. I love. I mean, I still love him a lot, but Late Night was just like anarchy in my favorite way. <laughs> and like I, ska music is actually a really big influence on me too, because a lot of ska bands are very goofy, um, and have a lot of sh- weird shtick. And I just feel like those were my. Cause when you're, you know, there isn't comedy for children, mostly. Like, I mean, when you're in high school and stuff, like, the, you aren't going to clubs. You can't do that. Um, nor should you, necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> after being in enough of them now, I'm like, oh, man, this would have, like, ruined me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, ska shows were, like, I considered them my first live comedy shows because they just were goofy, funny. Everyone was, like, laughing at jokes between songs, and a lot of the songs are really funny and go- and weird, and there's characters and stuff, so, like, that that kind of all is, like, the soup that young young Brandy wanted to do comedy from. I always loved music, but I never... I love music too much to make it a career. I was like, I want there to be mystery there. I'm okay with, like, tearing down the fucking comedy curtain, but... <laughs> yeah, tearing down the music curtain is not fun. No. That, that was where I started. Really? My, my road of things was, was uh-huh. on the music side, and we were talking about it even as we were driving today, mm-hmm. and Christopher would ask me, he's like, would you ever want to go back? I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a chance. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I know a lot of musicians, and it's like, I... I love I I love their world, but I also still like being like, oh hey, oh wow, look at that, look at the band did that. I don't know how, I don't exactly know how. It's great. Like I don't, I know, I never want to know more than that. The the be- the best thing that I think I l- I took away from it though, yeah, was that coming into this side of things within comedy and film and television is so much of y- you know getting hired or anything is based mm-hmm. on attitude. Yeah. So because. People have to deal with you for you. Oh yeah, that is, that is solely what it what it is. Whereas bands get booked mm-hmm. off of a song. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're the biggest assholes on the planet. Yeah. People are paying to come see them play the song, mm-hmm. and they know that. Yeah, and there were so many bands that I would deal with and mm-hmm. labels that I'd deal with, and I was just like, "What the fuck is your problem?" Like, yeah, there's a lot of dicks. Like, in we're, that we're side. paying you guys to come do this. You know, I'm booking people with you to do this. Like, yeah, what's the deal? And mm-hmm. It, it immediately was just like, yeah, this is not, not how it should be. Like, yeah, the egos just weren't worth it. And coming to comedy and film, it's just like, I mean, there's still the egos and stuff that you yeah, deal yeah. with, but overwhelmingly, it's like mm-hmm. most people that you work with are just, they're yeah. fantastic. Well, and like comedy humbles you unless you're a sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it really does because it's like. Th- I always think that comedy is like the art of learning to fail gracefully like that, because even if you have a killer set, like crush for an hour, there's three or four jokes that didn't hit as hard as you want them to. Mm -hmm. That's where the work still needs to be done. Like that's the interesting thing to me. If I tell an hour and like all the jokes work, then it's like, okay, well those jokes are done. I don't have to worry about them anymore. What's next? What's the next thing? And you kind of, you learn to get to that point. And you learn to like kind of like embrace those little failures, and like that's kind of like where you look for. And with, and you're always moving on to the next thing. With music, you're kind of just like, 
even if you had your number one hit song was 20 years ago, you still got to sing about a girl you loved when you were 15? Yeah. And you're 45 <laughs> now? Plain White Tees can only play Hey There Delilah <laughs> so many times. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Delilah is like a divorcee now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Delilah's like, I have three kids. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. She's got a restraining order. And then yeah. it's Hey There Delilah for 50 feet away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's like, I work at Lincoln Town Car. Leave me alone. <laughs> Every time it comes on, it's just PTSD for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Like, this fucking guy again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. It's like, great, great. Glad you were just outside my window and he'd play this song mm-hmm. at every fucking station. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think like with comedians, it's like you, because most comedians don't like, it takes until you're in your, if you're, if you're a wonderkind, your late 20s or like your your 30s to 40s yeah. to actually really coagulate and right. start We can't all be Brent through. Morin and just be no. in your 20s yeah. and just be a fucking genius. Exactly. <laughs> like that doesn't really happen that often. <laughs> um, so it, t- it takes a while, but with musicians, it's like, y- they oh man, your first hit came when you were 19 and then you had a stage manager that protected you from consequences yeah. forever. Yeah. Like they're all, you know, there's... They're they're victims in their own way because then when their bands break up they don't know what how yeah, to how to, to live do. as people. The number of musicians I know that are not in bands anymore that are just like I don't know how bills work. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Guess I'm gonna go work at Target now. Uh. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, buddy, I don't know how this is gonna go. <laughs> it, it's funny with the humbling factor too of comedy yeah. though, and a lot of people don't realize that even like mm-hmm. the biggest names out there today still have those oh, rough yeah. nights. Yeah. So I, when, when I first started with Second City, mm-hmm. I remember like explaining it to my parents that yeah, I'm, I'm going to go through Second City's writing program. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And as they were doubting, I was like, well, how the hell do you think Martin Short and yeah, and Bill Murray and Colbert mm-hmm. like? Well, well, they're funny. I'm like, they, they weren't s- always funny. Like yeah, <laughs> they started like, elsewhere. They, they, had, they had to start and bomb and bomb and bomb. And Martin Short in his book talks about mm-hmm. all the times that he's bombed and. I know Richard Lewis was on, uh, he was on Nerdist last year mm-hmm. and talked about how he had done a set in fucking Atlantic City mm-hmm. and bombed it, like, yeah. even at this height of his career. And it was just like... It still happens. Yeah, knowing that these guys are some of the biggest names in comedy and mm-hmm. they still bomb. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's never something that you're going to necessarily get completely used to. I personally almost enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Because it's just like, for one, it's a learning factor. Mm-hmm. And two, sometimes... I just think it's funny as hell. We were talking yeah. last night. I, I had a joke uh, during a panel yesterday that mm-hmm. it, I laughed my ass off in, internally. I, I looked down into the crowd and these two are both laughing where it was a panel in John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. And this guy kept talking about the king of the dipshits. Mm-hmm. And then he says, yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know where the king of the dipshits is now. And I just piped up and was like, well, I think he's running for president right uh-huh. now. And half of the crowd, keep in mind this is in Utah. Yeah, so yeah. Half of that crowd was just, oh, oh, oh. And then <laughs> like, we, we don't need to go there. We don't need to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The old Utah and grumbles. I was, just like, I was just like, that's a personal victory right no, there. I like that, that, that joke bombed. <laughs> no, that is. That's great. That is great. Well, it's like, it's kind of like, it is a cleansing by fire sometimes where you're like, okay, well, I. Because if you go too long with good sets, you it start, you're like, oh, man, when it when it happens, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's just like the longer you go without a bomb, you're just like, well, when it it's gonna be, it's gonna be really. The next one's gonna be really rough when it happens. Okay, yeah. great, great. <laughs> you kind of just like you're waiting, or just like waiting for it. Just like, well, whew, hope it isn't gonna be as bad as I think it is. <laughs> when I had very first started doing any stand up, everybody's always like, well, 
you know, you'll do a few open mics. Your first couple will go well, but it's like that third or fourth one is when like you're just going to eat shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I was never consistent enough because I'm so much of a writer in my head mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm going to sit there and chip it away until I know that it's good. Yeah. And then I'll go and, and, and test it out and see, mm-hmm. okay, well, yeah, those are the areas that need fine tuned. Mm-hmm. And so I was never consistent enough to have like those yeah. bunch in a row to have that. And then I did get to that point of, I know it's coming. Yeah. It was, yeah. And it was like tiptoeing through a field of landmines. Just, okay, mm-hmm. it's it's going to happen. And, and, and then that fateful day came and I was just like, well, that sucked. Ooh, uh. <laughs> yeah. God, I remember my first true bomb was at the comedy store out here. I did like some bringer show, which I didn't even, I didn't know about them yet. And it was, oh boy, it was so bad. I was maybe six months into comedy. I... Which room was it in? In the belly room. Okay. Belly, uh, the belly room, which is the small room there. And it was like... Um, three black dudes were before me and all of their jokes were like fucking white women are fucking idiots they're crazy that was all three of their sets and then i was like uh i love renaissance festivals waka waka <laughs> like i hadn't been doing stand-up long enough to know to like to know how to address that in a funny way and like ease you know reset the room yeah. Yeah. and they only they only gave me like five minutes and i just like and the room was just like people with arms crossed just like all right let's see let's deal with this and it was just not it was bad. And then I rode my, I had ridden my bike there and I was riding my bike home and, um, uh, I almost got hit by Ron Jeremy. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I met a Ron Jeremy encounter right really? at that restaurant. Oh yeah. <laughs> the restaurant that's just right next to the comedy store. It's insane. <laughs> he was like parked in his little Saturn right outside and didn't even look and then pulled into traffic yeah. and we T-boned and I was like, what the fuck dude? And then he like turned and it was Ron Jeremy. And I was like, what? I don't. Like, do I need to get tested now? Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, I wasn't, I'm in my head about a lot of shit right now, man. (laughs) Like, like, oh, fuck, really? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't get to kill me, dude. Like, you don't get to be the one. All the anger drained out of me. I was like, I don't, I live in a weird place. (laughs) So, the the comedy store, Christopher, uh, I'm taking him there tomorrow night for potluck. Yeah. But I, I told him the one time I did an open mic there. Like I, I'd gone to a bunch, and then I finally got my name drawn. And it's the weirdest fucking room. Yeah. To do an open mic, and I don't know if they still have the light that's on the side of the stage. Yeah. That is so like as you're trying to play to mm-hmm. the very thin crowd as it is for an open mic, but the, the, everybody seems to sit along the edge. Yep. And you're trying you're trying to get to them, but at the same time you're like I like going. But so. yeah, it is it is the strangest room. To, it, it's yeah. still gratifying, but at the same time, it is so fucking weird. I'm excited yeah. to try it out one of these days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it's fail, worth it to yeah. do, by all yeah, means. Yeah, it's fun to, be, yeah, it's, to say you did it. It's cool. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a strange room, to say the least. Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange, strange place that was like built on top of a comedian barrel ground or something. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. That's the thing about comedies. You end up performing a lot of like weird-ass venues that probably most like people, like musicians and stuff like that, never do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, not not very many of them perform at a Days Inn in Glendale. <laughs> no, <laughs> which I don't even know if that mic is still happening out here. Oh God, but I don't even know if it is. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've, I've been there. I, I've known of that one. I think Christian Piper told me that it still was, and I, I yeah. talked with Andrew Slater at one point about it because it, it, I, I just continually hear hear yeah. war stories of that one. That it's like it was a cool mic to do, but it was so weird though. <laughs> that that mic. Any mic that takes place inside of a hotel exists in a different 
uh, a different plane of reality. Yeah. It's a plane of reality where there's just hotel open mics because time is different. It's all of it. It just feels so weird. The guy that runs that one, if you would curse, he would run on stage and grab the mic from you. He'd be like, no, and yell at what? you. Yeah, you couldn't curse at that mic. And But he wouldn't say that up top. He would just, you would say like, fuck, and he'd be like, give me that microphone. How dare you curse here? And be like, what are you talking about? We're adults. We yeah. can do it if we can do what we want. <laughs> does does the Laugh Factory still have their PG policy though? Yeah, the, yeah, they do. I, really? I always liked theirs though because the the point of the Laugh Factories is that they want to see that you can actually write a joke. Yeah. Because okay. so many young comics just immediately will be like, well, I'm just gonna bail. I'm gonna go blue now. Yeah. Because it's the easy laugh, and yeah, the Laugh Factory yeah. they're setting you up. They, they want to see that if we're gonna give you fucking. Yeah. time like you are going to be able you to can do it. yes yeah seen that in a lot of open mics where it's like oh louis ck does it i can go over there and fucking do it too yeah, yeah but louis did a lot to get yeah. to work yeah it, it's Wh- so funny. which that was the same conversation when i had that night that i went super dark is mm-hmm. they were like, the comic i was talking to was like atel can do it because people know who he is he's mm-hmm. built that time louis can do it because he's built that time yeah people don't know you like you can't just get up and just be like, here are my inner demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are like, does he have a gun? I don't know. <laughs> it's like a yeah. stranger coming up to you and just yelling hate speech into your face on the street. And you're like, that happened. All right. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's, that's probably how my grandma's neighbors feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, her again, run. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so wh- what's kind of coming up next for you? I mean, after after mm-hmm. the album release, I mean, are you already... Uh, I mean, you kind of have to put that aside and start. Yeah, I start mean, going back at it. It's crazy because I like, I basically have a second album. Like, I, nice. ba- I have, I have the material for it. I wouldn't, I'm not going to put it out anytime soon. But like, I definitely, because I, I, I went on a tour for the album, and was working on working on jokes. You know, obviously doing an hour every night for that. And I was like, oh man, I, I have another one. I have another one ready to go. This is crazy. But I mean, I'm uh, I'm gonna wait a little, a couple of years before I put something else out. But um, kind of just touring with that one, like Lady to Lady, has some exciting potentially stuff going on. Um, <laughs> nice. We'll see. Yeah, I've had a couple of good, couple of good meetings that hopefully will turn into something. Um, and then picture this: we're like really pushing it and taking it everywhere. Like those are kind of my my two babies that are. I've been incubating for four years and like now they're starting to really get some attention. So I'm kind of just like pushing both of those to see how, what we can get out of them. Yeah, well, and I mean, anybody in Los Angeles or when you guys are touring, mm-hmm. I mean, I would highly encourage to go see picture this and to, yeah. to definitely, if they aren't able to see lady to lady, mm-hmm. definitely listen to it because it's a fantastic show. Thank you. So and I, I love it, especially when you guys go off kilter on some of those where oh man the, the margaret show episode still oh one yeah of my, one of my absolute favorites thank you <laughs> so because M- margaret's just i mean she breaks down those barriers when you meet her right away and i know i had talked to barbara about it because it was like right after you guys had recorded yeah. with her and so cool y- you meet her for the first time and it's just like oh my god like this is margaret show and within yeah. 10 seconds she's already Mm-hmm. eased right into you and she she's just amazing to, to talk with yeah she was so cool and like her her house was just like goals the entire thing was just we walked in her like boyfriend is like 
10 years younger than her and like was surrounded by a bunch of rescue dogs and like a hot pink super tight Planned Parenthood (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt and he answered the door and we're like hi what are you (laughs) then we walked into her house and like all like her walls are all painted like really bright colors and it's just it's very her and it's just very like she had this really awesome like Joan Rivers shrine of all these gifts that Joan Rivers had given to her yeah and just like then she had um she had uh weed that was like margaret trobe brand weed that had just come out (laughs) it's like an award-winning bay area strain or something wow so she had that that she was like offering barbara and tess i I don't smoke but i was like that's fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) that was the thing barbara told me she's like yeah we get there and right away she's like you guys want some pot (laughs) yeah with my face on it (laughs) i was like oh this is your fragrance you just have like a a strain of weed Yeah, that one was that one's really really fun. We had some we had some good guests. Like we've had French oh, yeah. Stewart, fr- French Stewart on the that show. Episode. Yeah. That one's one yeah, of my personal favorites. That song still stuck in my head. Oh yeah, it gets <laughs> it gets stuck in mine all the time. <laughs> Does it really? Const- constantly. <laughs> well, because we're all friends of French on Facebook now, yeah. so like it'll like whenever he pops in my feed, I just start singing it in my head, and yeah. I'm like, oh boy, oh, French, 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 sweet man. So I, I had a friend growing up that looked exactly like him. Really? Like, he he. To a T. Wow. You could put them side by side, and yeah, they they look like twins. Introducing to Barbara. Time, <laughs> he refused to admit that he looked like him. Oh. And his brother and I were like best friends growing up. When we were watching Third Rock from the Sun one day. Mm-hmm. He comes in and sits down with us, and she's like, "I don't look like that guy." Five minutes later, so I guess kinda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dog. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you, you look exactly like. <laughs> Why would you not embrace that? He's like the funniest character on that show. Yeah, yeah. he I mean, makes yeah, that French show. Yeah, French Stewart is amazing. Yeah, I got so jealous seeing uh, Barbara on that hoverboard for you guys the last show oh. with that coat on. I was like, oh, it's the coat. <laughs> it was so cool because he like, he like he brought the French sto- the the coat a Harry Solomon coat to like a live show he did with us, and he also gave Barbara a shoe. Oh, yeah, nice, he gave nice, her like yeah. a, like a, a platform shoe from the show. He's like. <laughs> I have this. You can have it. And she's like, thank you. And he doused it in cologne. Which is <laughs> Here's my essence. Exactly. It's pretty amazing. That episode's even still a really great re-listen, too. Yeah. Like it still holds up really well. Oh, it's yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've re-listened to that one a couple of times just to be like, hell yeah, we we make shit yeah. happen. Then the Margaret Show episode still holds yeah. up really well. I love that it. one's super good. We just had, um, we just yesterday recorded with, I don't know, you guys watch Drag Race. Do you? Mm-hmm. Do you watch Drag Race? I'm familiar with it. Okay. My my favorite drag queen, uh, me and Tessa's favorite drag queen is uh, Katya, and she uh, we just had her on the show yesterday. Or, oh, nice! And that was like, it was really cool. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I saw you post that about yeah. yeah you mm-hmm. and Barbara post nice. See, yeah, I've never watched the show, but yet I would love to just sit down and talk with RuPaul because he just oh he's amazing. He amazes, he beyond amazes me every time I hear an interview with him. I am just so just drawn in. Always <laughs> high energy too. Like that's yeah. oh yeah. yeah. Pro- his, uh, his what the fuck is one of my favorites. I'm not yeah. a huge Mark Maron fan, but that that interview, because Rue's just like, just over it. Just like no, this is who I am. I'm gonna do my thing. You can you can. I don't care if you like or respect what I do. I'm just gonna yeah, be I'm me. me and fuck you if you don't like. Yeah, it. yeah like I've <laughs> proved enough at this point in my life. I don't care about you, comedian in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> it's very inspiring to get to that level where you just like, I'm just here to entertain people. I don't give a shit what other people oh, think. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but like Rue, Rue is, 
a dream. Like, yeah, I, 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 that show is really great. My boyfriend actually really likes Drag Race a lot because he says that he likes it for the same reason he likes sports because it's watching people that are the best of their craft like oh, yeah. nice. go for it. Because it is like they are like the top top tier like best ones out there, and it's like it's crazy. It's a ridiculous show. Yeah, those, those type of shows always suck me. And my wife used to always watch uh, Face Off. Oh yeah. So and I would always. No matter mm-hmm. what I was doing, I would get so distracted. I was just like, wait, how are they? Yeah. That's that's not possible. You, you can't do that with makeup. No. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing to watch that show. Yeah. Makeup's crazy. Like, I, I barely wear any of it ever, but I'm always just like, wow, you can get really into it and just change everything about like, the way you look. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's all like shading and contouring and like you completely different face. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing what they can do. Witches. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm so glad that we were finally able to set this up. I know that we, we've been talking about it for a few months <laughs> now because yeah. we were trying to get it set up during mm-hmm. uh, your album release, but you were on tour when we were here. And yeah. then the, the, even the following time, I thought I thought for sure I was going to have time. And I went to hit Jeff and I was like, oh, my schedule, because it was during WonderCon. I was like, oh, oh yeah. I'm going to be all over the place during <laughs> WonderCon. Like, I don't have I don't have the least amount of time to try and to try and squeeze squeeze something in so i'm glad that even though it took a while that we finally got to got to sit down and talk with yeah, you of course so, and even Anytime. we had to make a last minute arrangement because we thought for sure that we'd be over at ucb and we walked over there and we're like oh it's closed it's closed today labor day <laughs> <laughs> yeah which I, I i knew that i mean most of the city pretty much shuts down on labor day since yeah. it's a completely union run city but mm-hmm. or and in utah for some reason i think it's still a military holiday but <laughs> huh. it's interesting. Is there is there a big military presence in Utah? It's just so uber conservative that if yeah. it's any type of federal holiday, somehow every single thing is support mm-hmm. your troops for Labor Day. And I'm like, it's funny you guys are celebrating huh. this, but you're all against labor unions. But that's what the holiday's about. Yeah, so. exactly. I don't want to be a dick, but <laughs> <laughs> point of order. <laughs> So now where, where can everybody find you on social media and kind of keep up on any yeah. upcoming tour dates? Of course. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Brandazzle, B-R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-L-E. Um, and then you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Brandy Posey, B-R-A-N-D-I-E-P-O-S-E-Y. My name is, Brandy's spelled weird. Nobody's ever spelled it the way I do, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, find me on all that stuff. And I also have brandyposy.com has all of my local um, stand-up dates, and then I put all of my tour dates and stuff out on that. And I think I'm doing um, a big East Coast run in October that I think is going to start coming together, too. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's starting to kind of coagulate a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah, so find me. I'm... You can Google me. And then find Lady to Lady, uh, the podcast. Like, give it a listen. Um, guys really like it, too, um, as yeah, evidence yeah, here. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of people are like, show. is that like a chick podcast? And I'm like, no, it's, oh. it's women talking. Um, but, you know, men can listen to women talk. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> it crazy? <laughs> men can just like, listen to women talk sometimes? Like, no, I only want Guy Fieri to tell me what to think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that person exists out there. <laughs> So and of course, Opinion Cave also available yes, on yeah. iTunes. Yeah, it's available on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on Bandcamp. Um, and, and cassette, correct? And on cassette. If you go to brandyposy.com, you can buy the physical copy on cassette. And um, I'll send you some stickers and some pins and stuff, too. And that has a uh, digital copy in it as well. So oh, awesome. Yeah, so it's not just a cassette, because I know, I know it's 2016. Don't worry, guys. There's also digital in there. It, it's still as awesome to, to do it as a cassette. I want to say Kyle Clark did his, yeah. did his as a cassette as mm-hmm. well. 
And I thought that was so awesome. Yeah, I just, I love a cassette. Like, I mean, CDs are like, I remember being very resentful of CDs when I had to, like, start buying CDs instead of cassettes. So I've never really, they've never really sat right with me. <laughs> and, I mean, I wasn't going to do vinyl. Like, I'd have to charge so much for vinyl. Yeah. Five oh, people yeah. would actually buy it. You know what I mean? I have, like, one guy from Philly that keeps hitting me up and being like, when are you putting it down on vinyl? And I'm like, dude, do you have $100? Because I'll press you one. Like that's I'm like I'm not I don't have my finals twenty bucks out of the gate per like Jeez. it's like I'm not gonna Damn. it's not worth it plus if you're driving on tour it's like it's gonna get melty in your car like cassettes are just so much more resilient so yeah it's on cassette it's on there uh, if you do choose to listen to it on Spotify um, I ask that you put it on mute and also just put it on repeat overnight um <laughs> i would appreciate that <laughs> for the long weekend why not just yeah. put it on whenever you're not listening to music just put my album on repeat on mute please <laughs> i could use those fractions of pennies <laughs> i love to know that other people go about go about it that same route when i was on uh, mix 105.1 last month mm -hmm. i was like yeah i know that nobody that nobody i spend time with really gives a shit about that format and i was yeah. like i don't care turn it on i need the numbers just turn down the radio like yeah yeah so so what if i'm hosting you don't need to hear me come in and talk for 30 seconds just yeah turn it on and turn it down yeah it's, <laughs> it's really important i would appreciate it uh <laughs> it's really helpful also um uh you can set up a pandora station with my name um and don't uh, downvote women's voices on pandora because i found out that that's a thing that really happens. serious that's a big thing that happens with comedy stations oh and that's why God. you don't have as many female albums on your comedy stations because a lot that of it's just infuriating yeah here. a lot of dudes are like next and they just downvote don't even like listen to female tracks like i have friends that work in pandora and i've been like yeah it's kind of a problem <laughs> so. yeah i mean until they, i i get i know exactly who does it i have all of them blocked uh <laughs> like those are the people i block online but it's like hey if you you listen to comedy stations on pandora upvote the women maybe maybe just try that <laughs> they're, nice. the, they're the same yeah. ones that are coming after leslie jones <laughs> yeah exactly it's just a bunch of fuckers in basements yeah <laughs> Jeez, <fine>. <laughs> always with the basements things. yeah i know <laughs> well, also i like spotify they have the ladies of comedy like uh, mm -hmm. section on there which is really great yeah yeah definitely yeah there's like, some, some pretty good names i have you know, haven't heard about I was like, mm -hmm. oh shit these are hilarious yeah why haven't i heard about them well yet? it's great like i've been keeping a list on my phone of um all of the women that have put out albums this year in 2016 oh, so nice. far and there's like 12 or 13 of us and we're all really different yeah Rhea butchers that just came out a couple weeks ago yeah is, it's great a, an absolutely amazing album yeah it's a great <laughs> album like Rhea had put one out um the week that i put mine out um Laura Sanders from Columbus, Ohio, Jessica Michelle, Michelle Singleton from L.A., and Julia Rossi from New York also put out albums. Oh, nice. And all four of us hit number one on the day that our album dropped. So nice. it's like, we are, there's lots of ladies out there that are doing it. Just don't downvote us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is... That's going to bother me for, for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. That that's even a thing. Yeah, I'm glad I don't use Spotify. Or not Spotify, uh, Pandora because of that. That's yeah. So, wow. I haven't used Pandora. I haven't forever. in years yeah. either. And just the sheer fact of hearing that is like, wow. Okay. I yeah. Just, I just buy my shit on iTunes and I support the artists I like. You're doing it the right way. Thank you. <laughs> Please. Please. Just buy albums, you guys. Because this is the thing. How much music are you actually listening to? Really? If we th or or comedy if you really think about it and you're buying a monthly subscription to spotify you're only really listening to the same 15 things over and over again yeah. just buy That's those true. albums yeah. and then don't be like don't need to continue buying the spotify once you buy it once once you buy it once then you own it 
Yeah, mostly so. the monthly payment for that is basically the cost of an album. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I mean, I, I listen to most of my comedy albums over and over and over. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you're just in a mood and it's like, I need to hear this album to get through the week. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely, without a doubt. That's um, Paul Tompkins' first album is that one. Oh, that yeah. so good. And and that's, a, that's even available on Howl, I want to say. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you have, like, the Howl app, you can listen to that, too. And it's, oh, it's so much Yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. I think Opinion Cave is going to be on Howl in a couple of oh, months, sweet. too. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll harass everybody once that happens. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, Brandy. I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. I you appreciate bet. it. So, and everybody go check out Opinion Cave and uh, and follow Brandy on social media and stay up to date on everything. Yay. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye.